Our reading is from Luke 21, 5 to 9, 12, 13, and 17. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, as for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming, I am he. And the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and revolutions, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. But before all this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you. They will deliver you to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. This will result in your being witnesses to them. All men will hate you because of me. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, this morning, I want to preach from uh, the topic, um, Masmer- I'm sorry, that's not the title of my sermon. The title of my sermon is Open Mouth Tourist. Have you ever taken a tour and you were just amazed by all that you saw? You were mesmerized. You just couldn't believe it. Have you ever had that experience? I can just see people now. I, I've been to Chicago like you and uh, downtown, and people are just walking around taking pictures as they look up at the John Hancock building. Have you seen that? Yeah. You've been to New York. For some of you, you've been to Germany, Israel. You have been amazed by what you have seen. As I look at the gospel lesson today, I want to share with you that we can glean three truths uh, from this gospel lesson. And the first truth is beware of distractions. The second truth is beware of distractions caused by people who will try to convince you that they know the heart and will of God. And then number three, focus on your number one task, and that is being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, As you've heard in the gospel lesson, Jesus and his disciples are in the temple, and the disciples are just mesmerized as they look around at this beautiful architecture. They are just amazed. The temple that they're in is the second temple. The first temple, as you may recall, was built by Solomon in the 10th century BCE. And during the reign of Solomon, um, it stood for 500, about 87 years um, until 587 B.C., I should say, when it was destroyed by the Babylonian Empire. And then well, the second temple was built by Zerubbabel, uh, the Persian-appointed governor of Judea, on the site of the ruins of the first temple. And then approximately 100 years later, this is for you history buffs, Herod um, in 20 BCE, tore down the temple in order to build his new temple. So Jesus and his disciples now in this standing in this beautiful temple that um, Herod had built. And yet, um, they're distracted. They're distracted. Let me ask you this question. What is distracting you today? Okay, how many things are distracting you today? 
I would suggest to you that one of the greatest distractions for us right now is the distraction of busyness. Busyness. Busyness is defined as the state or condition of having a great deal to do. The quality of being full of activity. I was talking to someone recently and just asked how they were doing, and I just said to the individual, you know, we're, we're missing you at church. And they proceeded to share with me um, how busy they were. They talked about their Monday through Friday uh, schedule and then their Saturday schedule. And then by Sunday, they were tired. And then they shared with me what they did on Sunday, which was, and because I did not mention the name, I can say this, they, um, they take out the newspaper and they read it. And then they do other things. Busyness, busyness. On November 27th, here at Evangel Heights United Methodist Church, a new study on business will be offered by Deaconess uh, Penny Krug during the Sunday school hour. And it's in alignment with our study during the Advent season. Our study during the Advent season will focus on busyness. Because I would suggest to you, and I'm speaking from personal experience, we can become so busy that we do not have time to breathe. Have you ever experienced that? Thank you so much for being honest. And for those of you who did not raise your hands, that's okay. We can be so busy that we, we say, thank you, Lord, for being with me today, but we don't have to take the time to pause, be still, listen, fellowship. So, this new uh, Sunday school class will begin this new, I'm sorry, the Sunday school class will begin a new study on busyness. So I encourage those of you who are experiencing a life of busyness to attend the class. The second truth, again, is uh, that this particular gospel lesson points out to us is we must be aware of distractions caused by people who will try to convince us that they know the heart and will of God. That, beloved, is why we're going to launch this opportunity. We need to read and study God's word for ourselves. As our liturgist said so brilliantly today, we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, and that takes place First, through the reading and studying of God's word. That scripture in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Be ye not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, by reading and studying, meditating on God's word in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We will be able to recognize those voices that would try to convince us that they know the will and the heart of God, and therefore they're speaking on God's behalf. Let me just give you one example today. We will go into greater detail at another time. There are people today who are sitting in pews who believe that Christian nationalism is, is what we Christians should believe in. Christian nationalism is a threat to Christianity. Christian nationalism is also a threat to democracy. So Jesus says, beware of the distractions of people who will try to convince you that they know the will and the heart of God. Just because someone can say Jesus 
Just because someone can say God does not mean that they know God nor the Jesus who has revealed God to us. We must read. We must study. We must know their scriptures for ourselves. Can I just get one amen? amen? Thirdly, Jesus reminds us that as a follower of his, and this is why this is so appropriate on this Commitment Celebration Sunday, because, you see, it's not only an opportunity for us to say to God through our pledge forms and cards, this is my response to you for your abundance and faithfulness to me. On this Commitment Celebration Sunday, we're called to remember who we are, whose we are, and what we're called to be about. And let's face it, the first and foremost thing that we're called to be about is to be followers of Jesus Christ. I love my family. I love you. First and foremost, I'm called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so in this text, Jesus reminds his disciples who are preoccupied and distracted by the beauty of so many things. Jesus pauses to remind his disciples of what it will mean to follow him. And so he says to them, he says to them in this particular text, you're going to suffer. You will suffer. Now, let me just share with you, as you read that particular gospel lesson, and if you were to look again, I think it is, and I want to just bring this to your attention for those of you who may misunderstand what Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, and looking again at verses... Um, Oh, dear pastor. <laughs> yes, I'm looking. Uh, 24, they will fall by the edge of the sword and be taken away as captives among all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled. I'm so sorry I jumped ahead, didn't I? Forgive me. This is what happens when you are in a, when you desire to read a text that you had not planned to lift up during the sermon. So in chapter 21, verse 19, Verse, let me just read it because my eyes are not telling me the little small numbers. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. Jesus is not talking about his followers being exempt from physical hurt nor harm. No, in this particular verse, verse 19, he is talking about your soul, your eternal life will be secure, but not a hair of your head will perish. We know as readers of God's word that in Acts, Stephen was killed. We know as readers of God's word and as students of God's word that John, the brother of James, was killed. We know that Paul was placed in prison and ultimately was killed. And so here in chapter 21, verse 19, verse 18, where it says, but not a hair of your head will perish. It doesn't mean that we will not suffer, we will not experience pain. We will. Jesus Christ reminds us of that. Jesus Christ reminds us also that we will be hated by others. Dear ones, this is not our job to make everybody happy. 
As followers of Jesus Christ, we will have people who will not like us. We will have people who will talk against us. We will have groups of people who will shun us. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to be faithful to him. And so the persecution of the disciples described in the Gospel of Luke, as I've said, is recorded in the book of Acts. And that persecution is still taking place to some extent today. And so, how do you handle suffering? How do you handle it? Mother Teresa, in her book, Words for Love, states, and I quote, anyone who imitates Jesus to the full must also share in his passion. We must have the courage to pray to have the courage to accept. Because we do not pray enough, we see only the human part. We don't see the divine, and we resent it. I think that much of the misunderstanding of suffering today comes from that, from resentment and bitterness. Bitterness is an infectious disease, a cancer, an anger hidden inside. Suffering is meant to purify, to sanctify, to make us Christ-like. Yes. Let us see things from Jesus Christ's perspective. To know Christ's perspective means to know Jesus Christ, to have an intimate, viable relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship that includes public and private worship, a relationship that includes fellowship, and a relationship that includes prayer, Bible study, and service. The good news as followers of Jesus Christ is this. When we say yes to Jesus Christ anew as his followers, we know that no matter what life presents us with, Jesus Christ is available to give us the wisdom to address it. And in the text, he says, when you suffer, see it as an opportunity to bear witness. And in reading the book of Acts, we know that Paul took advantage of those opportunities. When he found himself before Felix, he took advantage of the opportunity to share with Felix about Jesus Christ. When he knew that he was en route, he knew that he was en route to Rome so that he could share before the kings the good news of Jesus Christ. Yes. When we suffer, we know that Jesus Christ will be with us. We know that Jesus Christ will help us through the suffering. Whatever the circumstances, rejection by family and friends, co-workers or fellow students, Jesus Christ is present to walk with us through it. Psalm 23 states, and I quote, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Yes, Jesus is with us in the midst of our sufferings. 
listen to the scriptures as recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. This is the closing word. Beloved followers of Jesus Christ who on this Commitment Celebration Sunday will commit anew, not just through your finances, but I hope also through your entire being that you're saying yes to the will of God through Jesus Christ for your life and for the life of this congregation. Here's the final word. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. All that we do for Jesus Christ will last into eternity. Let us pray. Loving and gracious Lord, our God, we give you thanks for the witness found in your word. We give you thanks, Lord Jesus, for letting us know that as your followers, we must be intentional about keeping our focus on you. We are not to be distracted. We're to keep our focus on you, trusting you to lead us and to guide us throughout all of life's challenges. You are teaching us to keep our focus on you and to trust you no matter what. We bless you and give you thanks for this congregation. We thank you for their love for you, their commitment to you, and the calling on their lives to advance your kingdom here on earth. And so now as we continue to worship you in spirit and in truth, O Lord, continue to speak to our hearts and minds that we may experience afresh and anew your peace, your strength, your joy. Amen.